Hello and welcome to New Retirement Thinking. I'm Bronwyn Seaborn. In today's episode, we're taking a look at the changing landscape of retirement and how to ensure that a penny saved today is a penny earned in a not-too-distant tomorrow. Joining me to unpack this is David Crossley, Business Manager at BDO Wealth Advisors. David, thanks so much for your time today. So when it comes to retirement, it seems like 65 is almost this mythical age where you go from gainfully employed to being a wonderfully retired pensioner. But while this may have been true in the 1950s, 50s, is this the case today? Not really, Broadwin. Um, you know, the, the 65 is actually the new 55. But people are living longer, which presents its own particular problems as well. But at the same time, uh, 65 is not necessarily a time when you want to hang up your, your working life and retire with your slippers and your pipe. It doesn't work like that anymore. In the 1960s, 50s and 60s, people who retired at 65 generally had a life expectancy of around about 10 years. That has gone dramatically and, and we spend a lot of our time in fact counselling people who are running out of money before they've run out of life. It's a, it's a very big problem these days with medical advancement. So no, 65 is not necessarily the retirement age but a lot of companies, particularly for employees, have a peg in the ground when it comes to retirement. Their, their pension funds or their provident funds will say your retirement age is 65. And a couple of dynamics in this country come into play where companies may look to to purge people at retirement age simply because they have a lot of youngsters coming through, perceived with more energy, and they will say, well, thank you very much indeed, here's the gold watch, and goodbye. Uh, that's the cynical approach to it. Other companies will adopt a far more pragmatic um, a view of it and say, well, this person has an awful lot of experience to give, and we want that person to stay on for two or three years in order to impart that experience and the mentoring it can bring to the younger people who are coming up. So what is a good age to retire then? You know, you were talking about companies. You, you may want to work beyond 65. Whether you're able to do that or not is still under some debate there. But what is a good age? Are we looking at 75 being the new 65? I have to give you some sort of personal reminiscences here because I'm probably much closer to retirement than you are. Um, I would say from a personal point of view that uh, you should be able to retire at the age of 70. I, and there I say you should be financially able to retire at some stage. I feel sorry for people who have to carry on working well into their 70s because they have to. Because at some stage you want to reap some of the benefits of, of maybe grandchildren or family or travel or whatever all these goals that you put together all your life. You want to be able to achieve some of those goals and to have to carry on working when possibly your, your energy levels and your, your, your passion for what you do have started inevitably to diminish. So from a personal perspective, I, I wouldn't suggest that somebody necessarily carries on working beyond 70 unless they're possibly in their own business, it's their passion and they want to carry on doing it. I think there are other things that a person can do, but it, it absolutely depends on the individual. So you're saying other things that a person can do. You touched briefly on the kind of economic situation we're facing right now where companies are looking to perhaps get rid of that, that top marker as newer, younger workforce comes into place. We do have high unemployment rates sitting at around 26%. So if you are in that age group uh, approaching retirement, given all of this, what are some of the strategies you can put in place to get you to that comfortable position of retiring? The, the obvious strategy here is, is, is financial. 
if, if you're fortunate enough to have worked for a company for a long time and that company has some sort of pension or provident fund, then there should be an element of cash sitting in that pension and provident fund to allow you to retire at least with an element of a monthly income. But more and more the smaller companies do not initiate pension and provident funds. They leave this very much up to the individual. And the way, the way life is, the younger you are, the less aware you are that at some stage you may be told by your company that you have to retire. The, the uh, era of people joining company A and working for company A for their full 45 or 50 years of working life have long since gone. And you'll find if you look at the average person of my age that they have probably been retrenched a couple of times, they've had to look for different sort of careers, and they've patched it all together for another period of 10 years. The, the key to deciding when you want to retire, not only whether the company is going to allow you to carry on, is how well have you planned to get to a designated retirement age when you've decided there are other things in life that you want to do. How well you've planned, we're talking about the end goal here, so let's talk about where do you begin? What's a good age to start? Because you've been quoted as saying that to young people at least, that like death, retirement will arrive at some point. Yes, it will. It will. And, and my, my recommendation to people is, and I've said this to my own children, you start working at the age of, shall we say, 20 or 21, depending on how many years you spent at university, start a plan at 20 or 21, even if it's only to put away 100 rand a month. Because the, the, law, of, the law of compound interest, which is one, I think is the second most powerful law in the universe, is that the longer you contribute to something, the less you will have to contribute on a regular basis to reach that goal. So you, ha you, have to be in a, you, you have to start to think ahead because too many people in South Africa, and we're sitting on, a, we're sitting on a, a financial time bomb in this country anyway, too many people have neglected to make provision for their older years and are now sitting at the age of 45 or 50 with clearly not enough capital and not knowing how if they are retired by their companies, how they're going to cope financially. When we return to new retirement thinking, we'll talk about everything that should be considered in between starting and your end goal. So stay with us. Welcome back to New Retirement Thinking. Ahead of the break, we took a look at when you should start saving and when you should retire. So we continue our discussion now with a look at everything that should come in between. And joining me for that is David Crossley, Business Manager at BDO Wealth Advisors. David, thanks so much again for your time. So like we're saying, starting as early as you can and retiring when you're financially in a good position to do so. It then begs the question, just how much money should you be aiming for for retirement? There, there's, a, there's a two-fold challenge here, and the first is to say, what sort of lifestyle am I wanting to retire into? So we at BDO do a lot of what we call lifestyle financial planning. It's not so much the amount of money you've accumulated, it's what you want to do with that money. So if, for example, you, you choose to replace a car every three years, you want to travel overseas, inevitably so many people in this country, their children now live overseas, do you want to make provision to travel every year or every other year to visit children and grandchildren overseas? What 
do you need in the form of money to do that? So we work backwards and we say, if those are your requirements over a period of years, how are we going to cater for you to reach that? Not just from the capital that you have at retirement, but from how much more are you going to need to contribute in order to enjoy that lifestyle. If your current lifestyle has meant that you're using most of your disposable income to feed that lifestyle, fancy new cars, houses, etc., and you're coming to the retirement party a little bit late, perhaps you're mid-40s or perhaps even into your 50s and you haven't yet planned for retirement, can you catch up? <laughs> I think the yes and no. Yes, you can catch up, but possibly to a different lifestyle. So if, you have been, uh, if you've been living excessively, and, and I know in this country the size of the car and the model is very important, where you live is very important, you may have to make some very harsh choices at the age of 45 or 50 and say, maybe where I'm living is, and the, the amount of money that I'm paying towards a bond, or the amount that I'm paying towards my car, we've now got to curtail that. So, what you should then do, I would presume by the age of about 50, your children are hopefully old enough to manage on their own, um, but you've got to cater for that as well, to say, maybe I need to downsize earlier than I'd planned to do. Maybe I need to drive a smaller motor car with, with less outlay, because any money that I can save from what could be termed an excessive lifestyle at that age can then be channeled into putting something away for this inevitable retirement that's going to reach us. Retirement's like death, it's going to arrive. At some stage, a company's going to look you in the eye and say, I'm sorry, but we don't need you anymore. And it's much easier to look them back in the eye when you have several million in the bank, rather than if you have nothing in the bank. So it's, it's, it's all about saying, if, if I've made the plan earlier enough, early enough, that shouldn't be a concern. I can then have a plan for a lifestyle that includes exactly what I've said. If you've left your planning too late, then you're going to have to make some sacrifices. It's very similar to somebody who's got themselves heavily into debt and goes to see a debt counsellor. And he stops the ship and he says, from now on, you are going to have to live very frugally in order to repay your debt. You may have to say the same thing to somebody who's left their retirement planning too late to say, from now on, you're going to have to live frugally in order to accumulate enough money to allow you to retire at all. Excessive lifestyle you bring up there uh, and we said this in the first part of our discussion as well, a lot of people move around. People aren't working for one company for 20 years. Let's talk about preservation of existing benefits because the temptation perhaps to withdraw your funds when you leave a company is there as well. What do you recommend in those cases? There's only one recommendation here, Bronwyn. If you are leaving a company for whatever reason and you've accumulated either a pension or a provident benefit, it has to to be put aside into a preservation fund. There should be no argument about it. It has to be done. Irrespective of the amount of debt you may be in, <coughs> you have to put that to one side. It is tragic in this country that so many people get to the stage where they are indebted and they even resign from companies in order to repay their debt and then start again. It's absolutely tragic. One of the disadvantages we have in this country over some of our Western nations is there's no social security net. Nobody can live on 1,500 rand a month. And in order to get a, a state pension in this country, you've got to virtually prove that you're impoverished. It's not possible. Therefore, every single cent of money, however little that may be, should 
be put aside into a preservation fund, either pension or provident, depending on where you've come from, in order that it can continue to work for you until you reach retirement. Absolutely essential. There should be not even a discussion. And if there is a need for some of the money, you can, provided you haven't done it before, take 25,000 rand of that money out as the tax-free portion and then preserve the balance. One step back from that, uh, when people are going between companies as they're likely to do in this day and age, how do they select what product is best for them? Most companies will say there's retirement annuity as an option, there's a pension fund or there's provident fund. How do you make the best decision about you in that moment, which product you should choose? It depends what the company currently has. So if I'm with company A, which has a pension fund, and I get made an offer I, I can't refuse with company B that has a provident fund, then I will, I will go straight into the provident fund with company B because that's the fund that they offer to their, to their employees. It doesn't matter. Uh, a pension provident fund combination is fine. The only difference is that the pension monies that you've accumulated at company A must then be preserved into a pension preservation fund and then you start again with a provident fund. That's absolutely fine. If the company you're joining has neither, and a lot of smaller companies these days don't worry about providing pension or provident for their employees on a compulsory basis, then it is absolutely essential to get financial advice from a qualified financial planner and go straight into a retirement annuity. And then you, you save what you would normally have had deducted from your salary into a retirement annuity. And those contributions are then beneficial because every year you get a tax deductible benefit from SARS and you will accumulate your retirement capital that way as well. David Crossley is business manager at BDO Wealth Advisors and that's where we leave things for this episode of New Retirement Thinking from me, Bronwyn Seaborn, and the rest of the team. It's goodbye for now.